Check. 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 Welcome to the show. This is Between Two Beards Podcast. I'm your host, Brock. I'm your other host, Mike. And we are the beards that you are between. I like that. Well, welcome to this Father's Day episode, June 2023. We have Chad Taylor and Noah Henning joining us in the studio for this special Father's Day episode. Say hello, gentlemen. Hi. Hello, everybody. I'm here, I'm here too. Mike, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> He's always here. <laughs> well, this is an episode that we were all kind of looking forward to doing. Um, you know, it's it's something that's on our hearts, um, not just because we are fathers, uh, but because we think fatherhood is particularly important, um, not just within the church, but in our society at large. So um, we put this show together and uh, really wanted to share um, where we believe um, God is leading us to share um, in regard to fatherhood. Uh, and what that looks like in our personal lives as well. So, go ahead. And I really thought we were just doing this because the girls did such a great Mother's Day episode, and we wanted to be like, we had to like step it up. We can do that too, you know. <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh, shout out to that team of ladies. Uh, they did do a great job, and just you know, no matter where I'm at, if someone's listened to the show, and and sometimes it's been people that haven't even been part of our church. Um, haven't even really uh, been in that listening uh, scope that I was aware of uh, that it said, hey, uh, we listened to that episode, really appreciate what those ladies had to say. And so, yeah, just a shout out to them. And hey, we're bringing it. So <laughs> You're very confident and we haven't even started yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's... Uh, it's always important to be confident, but uh, humble as well. <laughs> hey, we're trying to be confident, humble fathers. Isn't that right? Amen. All right. Well, how do you want to start? I mean, we 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 did, we we were inspired by what uh, the girls did. <laughs> we wrote an outline uh, because they had an outline. And uh, and Brock and I never have an outline. Usually this the seat of the pants <laughs> style of the beards. We thought, well, hey, let's get at least an outline written out. And um, really, Brock covered the start of like, why we wanted to do this, just really to to talk about dads biblically, um, scripturally, what our experience with our fathers, right. uh, experience as dads, and then really how you navigate the new uh, world we find ourselves in post-2000 um, as dads. Yeah. Um, because all of us, uh, you know, became dads obviously past the year two thousand and, and the way things are now in the world. Um, so, did you guys, you guys want to talk a little bit about what you see as uh, the biblical role of a father, or what you would pull out when you think of uh, the role that you have for your kids as far as being dad, being a father? What does that lead you to in your mind when you think about um, how God would have you be a father? I think, you know, I'll start out just because, I, you know, I think, I, I'm really thinking about this a lot recently just because my kids are still pretty young. Um, my my oldest is eight, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been 
she's seen a lot of changes probably in me. She probably doesn't realize how much changes that occurred, but you know, I think about a lot of the times when we first became parents and I first became a father and, and still being honestly pretty selfish still, and actually really learning how selfish I was, um, having to really, um, understand that the person that I thought was pretty selfless was actually, was, was actually pretty far from it. And so that, I think right off the bat, I, I just really, I remember getting, you know, two to three years into, into fatherhood and really realizing all my shortcomings and it challenged me, uh, it really challenged me to continue to examine myself and I'm continually doing this, still have not arrived. I really hope I do one day, but I just, I'm, I'm still a pretty young father comparatively to a lot of people. Um, even in this room, um, you know, some of you guys have been dads for a lot longer and, you know, it's just one of those areas that I, I just think about, you know, and I was even thinking about, um, you know, just cleaning the, the shed out back with my dad. He came up and he's helped me pressure wash and I got him behind a pressure washer for the first time, which was pretty darn dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> he might've nipped me a couple of times with that pressure washer, <laughs> but we, we were pulling like stuff out of the shed and, and, you know, bikes. And I was just recently thinking about this. I mean, this is, this is current. Like this is so current right now. What you're getting, this is, this is hot off the press because, I was just thinking about all those times that we used to spend, um, you know, growing up and doing, doing certain things with my dad and, and it made me, and I'll talk about that later, um, some more of that stuff, but it just made me think of what is my legacy going to be as a father? Are they going to see what I have seen in myself that I didn't like? Are they going to see, um, or are they going to see somebody who decided to rise to the occasion, seeing all the faults? but wanted to do better and leave something better than than what they could have had or what other people have experienced and are experiencing right now um, in fatherless homes, um, in a society that honestly, frankly, could care less about fathers at times. Now, I think we've seen some change in that. I think it's becoming pop culture for dads to be kind of in the spotlight with their kids, which thank God there's something like that happening. Because for the longest time, I do think it has been anti-dad and the, the, the attack on the nuclear family, um, has not honestly been very covert. I think it's been a very overt situation, um, uh, in our society. And I'm talking about the United States, um, that the idea of a father, um, and in some ways dad's growing up, um, have failed to rise to the occasion. Um, and, and, and some of that they should own. And some of that, you know, I think is just part of being an imperfect person. That's a part of a broken world. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think about, I think about the picture of a father and obviously we, as Christians know, our heavenly father and, um, and I know for a lot of people, that idea of seeing a heavenly father gets a lot of times jaded by the idea of who their earthly father is. Um, 
you know, so I see, um, you know, we have, we have lots of passages throughout scripture that do show what a good father should be like. Um, uh, and I, you know, I think too, you know, we see in some of those pictures too, you know, what some of these, even these biblical fathers or, um, you know, we're talking about like Abraham or Moses, um, you know, throughout the Bible, how, you know, in a lot of ways they were really good fathers and in a lot of ways they really failed. And so, you know, I say that and I come off starting out that way because, you know, talking about all the things that we hope for or would like to see in fathers within the church or within uh, society at large, really, um, I just to say, you know, and encourage, um, you're going to make mistakes. I'm still making mistakes, but that can still be turned around. And, and, and frankly, if you've made mistakes, you're in good company because we all are making them. But the difference is we want to make them less and, and honestly leave a better legacy for our kids. Um, and what better legacy? I mean, it's not going to be money, although that can help. But like the reality is leaving a legacy that you were a father that cared for your children, um, put them first in some ways above yourself. Um, but, but I think more so like love them in a challenging way to love them enough that when they fail, they were met with grace like our heavenly father has given us and like we've seen time and time again throughout scripture um and they're met with that same love that you know just you know like that the the picture of the prodigal son like he's met his father runs to him and gives him his best despite all the all the the rejection and all the let's say, um, entitlement and all the other things that we can so, so often experience with our children. Um, and frankly, I haven't really experienced that completely yet, but I know a little bit, you know, um, but in this, in spite of, of all, of all those things is met with love and is met with care and a father that desires to give, um, his children the best or his son the best. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's, that's, that's that's the biblical picture of a father that you know I'm um and there's other parts too but you know I just you guys can take in from there I go ahead Noah. yeah um I mean we definitely have a, a, a an obligation and a role mm-hmm. um as followers of Christ we're to really um, be that picture of Christ for not only our household but definitely for our kids yeah um you mentioned legacy the legacy we're not going to leave behind for our kids it's not going to be we might leave earthly things behind for our children, sure. but they're not going to last. Um, Chad, I was thinking about the podcast when you and, and Jen were on, and she was talking about how looking back, she can't, she can't even trace back where believers started in her family. Like that legacy runs so deep on her mm-hmm. side. And wouldn't that be amazing if the legacy that we leave behind is that we're the one that they can't remember because it's so many generations right. back that you know, our kids have gone off and, and they are also followers of Christ and then their kids are followers of Christ and what a legacy that is to leave behind. Yeah. And it's really our number one role. But 
when we were kind of talking about doing this, I, I really thought about Ephesians 6, um, where it talks about when Ephesians 6 um, starts, it talks uh, about children and parents. And uh, right in verse um, uh, verse 5, um, I'm sorry, verse 4 of uh, Ephesians 6, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And um, I, I dove into it just a little bit, trying to figure out what words are used there. And for the, the translation, bring them up. Um, the original Greek that was used there is uh, ektrapho. And uh, ektrapho is used just previously in the chapter before in Ephesians 5, where it's giving more direction to husbands. Hmm. And uh, Ephesians 5, 29, actually I'll do 28 and 29. And it says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So that word nourish and the phrase bring them up in both um, instances in the original Greek, it was ektrapho. Now it, the, the tense was changed a bit because, you know, tense has changed and things, but ektrapho means to nourish to maturity and to take, you know, like to nourish. So no one ever like hated their own body. We do what we can. We make sure that we're fed every day and we have water and we, you know, we shower and have hygiene. We take care of it. So it's not just bringing them up. It's nourishing these kids that we're purposeful in taking care of these kids that we've been charged with of being dads. Um, and the only way really to be purposeful is to give them the time your time, you talked about when you first became a dad, you said that you thought you were a selfless individual, but you really saw that there were some selfish tendencies oh, in yeah. you that fatherhood was bringing out, like you're noticing all these things. Yeah. Um, but for me, the biblical role of a dad is to give your time in a purposeful way to nourish these kids that you've been given, to raise them up. Do not discourage them. And by discourage them, I mean with like, uh, a good example, I was I was trying to think of how do you discourage your kids. Um, one of the things that I, I said I would would never do to my kid, and man, does she hate it, is I said I would never say because I said so. I would always explain it. And I explained mm -hmm. that kid to death. She was like, why can't I do this? And then like a 10-minute explanation. And I think sometimes she would just like it because I said so. But, um, you know, trying to raise them up and not be... Um, discouraging to them be purposeful in your time with them and really guide them and direct them in the scripture and i have definitely had a, a shortfall i mean abigail sees uh the way i live my life she sees my prayer life she sees what i do here at the church she sees how i interact with people mm -hmm. so she has a good ex I, I think she has a good example of what a man who's following christ would do externally um but i think i haven't done enough with her as far as sitting down and be like all right let's just read together we pray together um, we talk about things that come up all the time. Like she'll, she's a uh, homeschooled more or less, um, through uh, Agora cyber charter. And if she's in science class and something will come up, I'll get a FaceTime call. And she's like, Hey dad, we're, we're learning this thing. And I'm not sure we believe it. And I'm like, all right, well, what is it? And it's like, Oh, it's tectonic plates. I'm like, Oh, okay, let's talk about this. And we have this whole discussion about the flood and creation and, and all kinds of fun stuff. But I'm there for that, but I think I've really kind of maybe dropped the ball a bit on 
on getting her into the word. Um, Ashley's amazing at that. She's done uh, every, like sometimes I'll, I'll see that Abby's like writing in her prayer journal or, or going over verses or something. And I'm like, that's not me. That was Ash. She definitely championed that. So I know I, I have to work there. Um, but yeah, overall with me and, and, uh, that's what I think about when I think about the biblical role of a father is, um, giving your time and nourishing, bringing them up in the way that it should go. Uh, but not in a discouraging way, a way that frustrates them or, or gets them upset or angry. Um, I think, uh, yeah, that's, I had another thought, but I, I recently hit 41 and it vanished. So <laughs> we'll go from there. Chad, what do you have to bring there? For me, I think you were talking about your, you've recognized your selfishness. Like, I've definitely seen that. And the older your kids get, oh, man, the quicker they're qu easier. They're like, hey, by the way, you say this, but I'm watching you do this. And I think for me it's like my my words and my actions need to be together. And I think so mm -hmm. many times um, – not just as dads, but as, as men and, and just as people, we, we have a lot to say, but then what we're doing doesn't match what we're saying. Mm -hmm. And so like sometimes we'll be, we can quote scripture, scripture and we can quote all these things to our kids, but then they're watching what we're actually doing. And so I think for my, myself, like from a standpoint of my actions and my words have to align. And we can get in some things that I've done in the past that I'm like not overly proud of, at all but uh, where I've learned from them and where I've made some changes and I see that change reflected in my kids mm -hmm. and um, I think the number one thing is that we're honest and we're, we're to your point about grace um, I had that problem in my life where I didn't allow like if I can't allow my kids to I, how somebody had said one time that, that really grabbed my attention was if my kids can't learn grace at home how are they ever going to give it and right. I and I wasn't good at giving my kids grace I would they would watch me give all of these other people patience and grace but not with them and uh, so I think our for me like my actions am I provoking my kids to anger like yes there was a lot of times that I did and as they get older it's a lot harder not to mm. <laughs> 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 when they're 15 and 16 and they start having an opinion um so a real opinion that's strong that um yeah so standing my ground knowing my word saying okay having a conversation you know because mm. uh, my life verse the verse that i live by is luke twelve forty eight, and it's you know those who don't know will judge will be judged lightly but those who have been given much much is expected and mm. then those who have been entrusted with much even more is expected and so i try to filter everything in my life through that and with my kids, God's entrusted me with those kids. He's entrusted me with my wife and my as a, as a leader in my house. And so everything that r I do every, has to run through that. Yeah. And uh, there's times I've taken advantage of that, um, and I'm not proud of that. But you know, God is a God of grace and understanding. But in order to receive grace, we have to be willing to to humble ourselves um, and say, "Hey, I've fallen short, and I'm sorry." And yeah. I think. That's one thing, you know, we see with David when he was ready to kill his own self because, you know, he he, cheated, he slept with Bathsheba, you know. It's like, wow, and then he realized, oh, 
and he falls to his yeah. knees and that's why that's why god loved him so much it wasn't because he was perfect by any stretch yeah it was because he recognized and he humbled himself and said lord i'm sorry you know and that's what we have to be able to do with our kids and, and you think i think too have being able to have that posture with your kids is so crucial because not only do they get to see that well yeah my parents aren't perfect but when they're not perfect and when they're when they do something or they say something or whether it's to them or to mom or to you know whoever mm -hmm. that they see you take that posture of owning it owning your your mistakes owning your shortcomings and apologizing for it and saying hey you know i've messed up um i want to do better than i have and if you are willing to forgive me i um i would gra receive that with gratitude mm -hmm. and just simply just something it's it's so simple and and, and it you know, I, I've had to do it many times too. And even though my kids are not, you know, my, I have an eight-year-old, a three-year-old, and an almost two-year-old that gets around the house as if he's <laughs> Harry Houdini reincarnate. Like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like um, seeing that posture, man, could you imagine a generation that would grow up and know that they're not perfect. You can't expect perfection from them, but they can strive for it. And even when they fall short of it, that they can own it and apologize for it in a way that perpetuates reconciliation. And, and the world will see that we're, that's where, when, when God's word says, the world will know that you're different, mm, right? Yep. If the world sees our kids taking ownership of a mistake they've made, that catches people's attention now. Mm -hmm. It didn't before, right? Right, Because everyone used, that used to be the norm, but it's not anymore. Right. And people see it and they're like, well, why, like, why? why are you doing that? And then you have your opportunity. And so, yeah, I think we need to own it. And, I think too many of us as believers try to pretend we're perfect. We're perfect parents mm. um, instead of saying, hey, I'm not doing great. You know, I'm falling short. I'm letting my kids down and being able to go to another guy in the church or go to somebody that you trust and say, hey, I'm struggling with this at home. You know, I'm struggling this with my kids and I, I'm not sure how to handle it. And there's some older gentlemen that have in this church that have kids that are closer to my age. And I've shared some, hey, man, this is going on. And, and they're like, it's going to be OK. And sometimes it's just like, why is he behaving or why is she behaving this way? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's normal. You know, you forget. I think we forget sometimes how we were. Like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know how, but we do. Yeah. And I think having it was those... a long time ago. But I think having those people in the church and being, if you're open enough to be able to share, I'm struggling as yeah. a dad, or I'm struggling as, as a husband, that there's other people that have been through that already. And too many times we come to and pretend everything's okay. Yeah. And... I think this is the part where we have to say that we're probably going to be getting into now sharing about like our dads and our experiences of, uh, as being dad and things like that. Um, and we do have, we have, we run the gambit of, uh, I think we actually segregated the table between present and absent fathers here. So, <laughs> we, but, uh, um, but I would say that no two kids are alike. There is no right way to parent. There is no magic bullet. There is no, like, we're going to be sharing things that we do with our kids. Hmm. And it's not to call anyone on blast who doesn't do those things. Because yeah. what I'm doing with Abigail might not work 
with any other kid but Abigail because she's right. uniquely and wonderfully made and we have to find just the right formula that makes that girl tick right. right. And it, right. you just never know what it's right. going to be or how it's going to be. Because um, we, we, what I did with that, one of the things I did with Abby, because I felt it was my role, I've been praying for Abigail since I found out that we were pregnant. And I consistently prayed for her on the way to work until she was about nine. And then I had a big change at work. And for some reason, I just was daydreaming too much about work on the way to work. And one day turned into one week, turned into one month, and it just kind of snowballed. And I missed about a year and a half. <laughs> That's how snowballs happen. Um, but I've gotten back into it. But basically, since the time she was born, actually before she was born, even when she was in the womb, I was always praying for her, for her heart, for her salvation, and for her future spouse and her future spouse's salvation. Mm -hmm. And like all these things that I prayed for, because I, I, Ash and I have shared this numerous times and not a slide against anybody who works any job, but if Abigail was a failure in the world's eyes and just worked a dead end job and made ends meet, she's not a failure to me. If she comes to know Christ, mm -hmm. that's a success because ultimately her eternity is, is the, is secured and wonderful. It doesn't matter what happens here on earth. Now, obviously, we're going to do the best we can and try to help her get a leg up and, and get out there. But honestly, that's all that really matters. And, right. and um, we're reaching a real critical time because um, I have less time with her than I've had with her at this point, yeah. um, which is scary to say. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike, you know, I want to touch back on that idea of a biblical picture of a father to you. Um, and just so you know, if you go to church here or if you know, Mike, he is a dad. Um, and, and, uh, Mike, take it away. We didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Um, no, I, yeah. Yeah. So many people don't know. I, I do have three daughters. Um, my, my girls are ages of, uh, 21, 19 and just turned 17 proper responses wow you look way too young to have girls that old you're right brock i do um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh yeah so you know i i was married previously and um we had we we started knocking out kids pretty pretty quickly and uh <laughs> that's a way to say it wow. <laughs> um but oh, uh yeah <laughs> So, and then of course, being a, a father of, of three girls, you know, and I grew up in a, a family of all boys where it was just, my mom was the only girl. So I learned, I learned a lot of things about, uh, little girls on the fly. And, um, I was broken in pretty good with that first one. And then it got a little easier. And then by the third one, well, the third one, you know, whatever happens, happens, right? Um, no. So we it was always very i mean i grew up in a very biblical home you know and um i grew up with you know christ is always at the center of your home mm. and so therefore that that's all i knew <laughs> so what am i going to pass down to my kids because as is you know is what you know yeah. so um that and when the and i was working in the ministry as well when my when my kids were being born um i worked for child evangelism fellowship so uh, Christ was at the center of my job. Christ was at the center of our home. And then, you know, when they were really young, you know, like 11 and 9 and 7 was when my, my, my first wife and I got divorced. 
a lot of that kind of came crashing down and and for the for next year year and a half there was um there was a lot of questions and there was a lot of you know about divorce and and being of divorced parents and now mommy and daddy don't live we didn't even live in the same town we we have never lived since our marriage has ended within three hours of each other so it was like we were always far apart um and you know technology was there were cell phones back in those days but it wasn't like like facetiming now where you know you can almost be in the next room so um it was tough and and it was it was hard and it was hard for them because they as they were learning about god and christ and and really my job at that point was like look you know, I'm I am a human man, and I will always make mistakes. I will love you unconditionally, but God is your heavenly Father, and He just never makes those mistakes. And that is, you know, a, a God the Father of a picture per, of a perfect picture. So it was a, a lot of explaining like that. Um, and then as they got older, you know, the there's there of course there's resentment, and there's that, you know, as they we we have never actually even lived. We've only lived in the same state. Uh, for maybe a year or so since our divorce, you know they've um, they've been living in Maryland and now they live in Texas. So I see even I do see them less and less. Um, and as they get older, they've gotten their independence and you know you don't need dad for much anymore. So, but it it was it was always a struggle because it was like you know this is what I believed and then but it's one of those that your actions speak louder than words. And then here we are, you're like well this isn't what God's idea of a family is, and you're right but this is what has happened within ours and um and that's okay because god god is a, a loving god a forgiving god and um we just we just move on and he will still continue to love and bless in my life since then um you can see like from where i've come from from where i come since of being divorced to now it's like there's a there's a huge redemption story in there and yeah. and the girls have gotten to see that so um you know, we're we're continually mold, right? We're still being molded by God, and we just mold our kids in ways to to reflect that love as well. So we can go on to the next thing you got there. Noah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to dwell on this. <laughs> no, thanks for sharing that, man. I, it, you know, it, you know, just if if you're listening, if you haven't caught that in what Mike just shared only briefly, it's like we believe in a God of redemption. And so it's, it's, if you're in that place and, and, and I know a lot of dads that are there and, and, and certainly I know one particularly right now, I won't, I'm not going to disclose that because it's really, it's very new, but if you're sitting in that place right now and you're like, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? And, you know, I come from a blended family. Um, my parents separated and uh, 2003. And, and so I, I know what it like, it's like to grow up in a household that where parents have separated and it's not, it's, it's, it's not easy. And yet I've seen, I have seen time and time again, even in my own personal family, that reconciliation, uh, redemption has occurred and uh it's not easy and it and it certainly doesn't always look pretty and there's a lot of things that that you have to push through to get there but mm -hmm. it's still happening and and it will happen for you um if you allow god to be a part of it and if you allow god to be at the center of it that to me and to us i would say collectively we can agree upon um, reconciliation, redemption, all those 
beautiful things that that come with the God that believe we believe in, I would say are very difficult to be found outside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it can't happen, but I certainly would believe um, very, very, very difficultly is it hard to come by. And, and I, and I don't say that lightly. I, I totally believe that because I believe everything that we're bringing to the table today from a biblical perspective. And that's, you know, we're not trying to hide it. We're not trying to, you know, shy away from it. That's what we believe. And I, you know, I, I, I fully believe that if we were to really allow God to work in our lives and we really believe in his word and in his truth, we'd see a lot less brokenness. Not that the brokenness will ever not be there because again, you know, we go back to Genesis, we live in a broken world, but it doesn't have to be felt so hard. And when it does occur, man, is he always there to help renew it and to restore it? Yeah. I'm actually really glad that you shared. Honestly, I am. Um, Because, I mean, you even said it when you were sharing the the story. Obviously, there is still things in your heart in in that whole situation that God's still working with you through, even all these years later. But you did say that there was redemption there. There is a change. Um, So a lot of people have this finality when they hear about, like, believers or they hear about people in the church or people in leadership you got divorced i know right like how did this get past the elder board like uh, that kind of stuff but sure but like there there is there is that is not the end of the story if if that was the end of the story how many quote-unquote heroes of the faith would we have stopped hearing about when something happened that was not uh in the perfect picture of what we expected to happen um I'm, I think it, it was wonderful that you shared, especially that there was, you even said in the time since then to now, there was a whole redemption story, which I'm sure at maybe some point you might share or might not. That's up to you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Christ worked through that situation to bring redemption to whomever in that story needed redemption for whatever reason. And I'm sure that this has been something that has been a part of your story coming okay. forward. And I'm sure it wasn't 100% easy to share. I mean, you jokingly, because you're a very funny guy, said, no, we don't have to. Let's keep going. Like, we don't, <laughs> we don't have to do this Yeah, it's all. not that I don't mind. Like, I don't mind talking about it. In fact, talking about it, I'm okay with it. It's always, for me, it's like I watch other people get very uncomfortable because they they start to put themselves in a situation where, hold on a second, because like, I don't see my kids a lot. And I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't talk to them a whole lot. But it was something that I had, that was something that I had to give to God, you know, and, and, and I, you know, basically what happened was I, I did have the kids and they were with me and I played single dad for a good solid year, but, um, they went, I allowed them to go, um, with their mom and they had gone from school to, in Massachusetts to, this is all one year. They were they started school in Massachusetts, then they went to school in Philly, and then they were enrolled at Southern Columbia, all in one year. And um, during the summer break, you know, I I allowed her, their mom to take them to what I thought was was um, the beach for a week, but here the schools in Philly went back to school a week before 
we did. So she went and enrolled them in school, and they went back to school in Philadelphia area, which, you know, I could have. You were, And everybody's like, wow, wow, why didn't you fight the fight? Why didn't you go after her? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Sometimes you just have to do what's best for the kids. It ends up hurting the kids. Yeah, sure. And, and the last thing I wanted to do was continue to uproot these kids. They've gone through so much change and trauma. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes sometimes the best thing is, and the hardest thing is to do nothing and actually and say, okay, God, hmm. you are in this. I, I I will do what you want me to do, but I give it to you. And and, and yeah. they're in your hands. That's a better hands than, than me or her. So... Um, and, and that's, that's a really hard thing to do. It was very hard. Yeah. It was it was extremely difficult. Um, and did I get mad at God? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Him and I had some words after you know after all this. Even like even going through divorce because it wasn't something that you know you know I was I didn't want to get divorced. It was just something that you know kind of ended up happening. And um, you know, he, so there I, I was I was I was very angry with God. And even in that, it was okay, God. I still know what's best because of because of the biblical teaching and, and what I knew from when I was a kid um, and the way I was raised. It was just like, I, I, I just, I have to let this go and I have to give it to you. And it was just something, it was hard. It was even hard for even my parents while they taught this to me, they understood it to me. It was even hard for a pill for them to swallow hmm. because it's like, wait a second, you're, I'm sorry, what? It's like, I've just... I gotta give this to God because I don't know what's the right thing to do. I don't want to screw up these kids any more than they already have been screwed up. So a lot of my decisions kind of came from that, and and there are decisions that you know a lot of people don't understand, and they want to understand, and it's hard for them to understand, and then they start going, "Well, maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't," and you're like, "Well, yeah, you're probably right." But I made my choice, and I'm and I'm comfortable with it, and I'm okay with it. But um, that's why it's like it gets weird for people to to listen to, <laughs> especially people that don't know God. <laughs> well, this is a, a good a good segue because you mentioned your parents, and you mentioned how you the choices that you had to make in that situation, and how we're kind of eyebrow raising at the time. Um, one of the things we wanted to talk about was our dads, and we've got um, four of us here, probably four very different dads. Um, and how our relationship with our dad or how their relationship with us affects how we, as not only Christians now, but as um, dads of our own, uh, our own you know, kids, how that shaped us. What are we trying to not repeat or what, what tools or things from our dads are we taking forward? Um, Chad, you're probably the most recent discusser of your dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, my plan was just to do absolutely everything opposite that he did. I would be okay. But... <laughs> but so what, is, what do you mean by that? I, I'm, so for me, like, my my dad was, he. so we lived, we lived to the outside world like we looked like we were normal. So no one knew what was happening. But my dad was, he worked second and third shift, so, but he liked doing community theater and he was really into that and he always wanted to be this whatever actors so every moment that he had free that's what he did mm -hmm. so we never saw him because he would sleep during the day and then when we get home he'd leave and go to work so we never i never ever saw my dad hmm. very very rare i mean here and there I, when i met jen it was like we never went on a family vacation ever hmm. we never went anywhere together 
Uh, one time I remember going to Hershey Park as a kid. We didn't have a lot of money either, so but we never went on vacation. So to me, it was just that was normal. And then when I started dating Jen and I started like hanging out with friends as you get older and you're like spending the night at other people's houses, that's when you, as a kid, like a 10, 11, 12 year old, you start recognizing like um, this, this is this is either weird or we're not normal, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that was where my, like looking at my dad was like, he he provided for our family. So that's one thing that he did. He he did provide for, for us and, and uh, a house and we always had clothes and we didn't have the best stuff, but we yeah. had enough food and, and things were tight because my mom didn't really work. And so um, I appreciate that about him. But um, he was a person that was just always, he was a chameleon. So whoever he was around, that's who he would become. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was like, I watched this and I was like, well, that's not when I am around him. That's not who he is. So that's where that kind of what I was talking about, like what who we are and what we say has to match how we act. Because watching him, it was like totally foreign. Um, so I never really had an example um, of any of a, a male in my life that was like, like a really good dad or, or anything like that. Uh, until I started meet, until I met Jen. So, and so at that point I was 15 and her dad is exact opposite of what, you know, we, what the world would say, cause he's not into sports. He's not in like, he's not a machismo man or whatever, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but he was a, he was the first like gentle, gentle person. You know, and when we look, when we talk about biblical model, like we look at Jesus, like he's the man, he's a man and he's, he's our biblical example of who we are supposed to be as men. But the society has said, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be tough. We're never supposed to show our feelings. We're supposed to be all of these things. And that's not who Jesus was. Right. So we, we think, and that's, so when I met Jen's dad, I was like, like he was sensitive in a good way, but he was all, he would also be able, he could tell you, Hey not a good idea um Mm. uh but he was very loving like to see him hug like to see a man for me my family nobody hugged anybody so like to see a man hugging somebody his kids or hugging his mom or goodbye it was like eye-opener for me Mm -hmm. uh so it was it was cool to see and it was uh just it was a great example to me uh he was really one of those first examples to me of what a man and a husband should be. Um, we've talked about biblical manhood, like something we want to leave with our kids. The one thing I think we, we kind of, I don't want to say we skirted over it, but I, I kind of should, I think we should say is when we can leave our kids with a good marriage, as in our, our, we have yeah. a bibl- strong biblical marriage, yeah. um, that my kids can see that I hug Jen and that I give her a kiss and that I love her and that I want to be with her over anybody else when I have free time, yeah. really? Like, hey, mm-hmm. I want to hang out with your mom. Like, that that's important for our kids to see. They're going to keep that standard. So your daughter's going to keep that yeah. standard to say, like, if my boyfriend or someone I'm courting or my fiancé, whatever at that point, would rather be somewhere else than with me, like, she's going to know right away that's that's not what it's supposed to look like. Right, or always do, they will, that guy or whoever he is always wants to do what he wants to do right. and you just go along with it because yeah. I've seen plenty of that right we all have and I have to be careful of that myself but like if we can leave our kids with what a strong biblical marriage looks like that's going to set them up for success in the next 
okay, if as mama, best we possibly right, can. Right, as, yeah. as best as we can. And if mm-hmm. a mom and dad have an argument, that doesn't mean. We don't have arguments. Right. We, we have we discussions. discussions. Yeah. Very loud. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's right. right. <laughs> Our kids always laugh like, mom and dad are arguing. Are they going to get divorced? That's what they used to think. And they're it's like, called no, they're just passionate, passionate. discussions. Yeah. Passionate discussions. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, no, they're just passionate. Oh, man. It's so funny. But yeah, I mean, if we can leave our kids with that, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're what a spouse is supposed to look like or what a husband's, like, yeah. especially for our daughters. Like, yeah. What's a, what's a husband supposed to look like? But, um, yeah, so my dad, he wasn't, he wasn't those things. Is there anything that you have that you do as a dad that you specifically know, um, that you're doing from running from or avoiding the same mistakes that your dad made? Hmm. I don't cheat on Besides being present and not cheating? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. Because we're shaped by a lot of stuff. I mean, I mean, obviously, the four of us here are shaped by our biblical father, and we're shaped by our past as well. So I think I'm super busy. I I, I live a too busy life, which I'm trying to work out. Um, and but I never like the one thing Diego did say to me one time because I was like, man, I'm I know I'm work a lot, and I'm trying to work on that. He's like, but you've never missed anything. Like I'll drive. Natalia played basketball, and, like, she would play 30 seconds at a game, and I drove from Williamsport to Mount Carmel, from, and I had to go back to Williamsport to watch the 30 seconds. Oh. It doesn't make me end dad of the year, because I've got plenty. Yeah. But um, I try never to miss anything. My dad was never present. He didn't come to any of my games. I was in, played three sports. He was really here and there. But, like, parents' night, he was there, Right. Because you want to make sure he got his recognition. Yeah. So, but he was very, very, like, he would always choose his thing over any sporting event. Hmm. So for that, it's like, I always want to make sure that I'm at everything. And I don't care. Like, I think some of the things he didn't come to because he didn't like them. And, like, there's things, like, I always wanted to be a girl dad because I didn't, I was always worried about being a dad to a boy. Because I was like, I don't know, I don't want to be that dad that's on the sidelines, always being like, yo, you got to do this, right? Yeah. Because I was afraid, like, because <laughs> yeah. I love sports. I love them. Yeah. So, like, right. but then God gave me Diego, and, like, he's the most musical. And the stuff he does, he excels at, too. And he yeah. is, and he's so good at it, and he loves it. Yeah. And I love that he loves it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, to me, it's like a foreign language mm-hmm. but like to see him excel and to see him love it and to see um like when he did the musical and when he does and like natalia dances and like just i don't have those abilities like musically or or acting wise and just to watch him on stage and to see how excited he is and how happy he is and how much joy it brings to him like yeah that's awesome for me yeah and, and, I, it, and it was like yeah. perfect for me because like i he's like chad you don't need somebody that know something that you know and i think i think that's a really to pull from that the goodness of god right when we feel like we have to be anxious or worry about something that may never occur Hmm. you know and and what god does is he's like hey you think you know what's going on but you don't and by the way here's a son and you don't have to worry about all those things that you were worried about, you know, walking in your earthly father's shoes, so to speak. Um, 
you know, I, I've worried about that too. Not, you know, not necessarily with my father, but you know, other fathers I've seen or, or grandfathers and, and just being like, Oh man, is that what I'm destined for? Am I going to, you know, do this or do that? And, and I, and, and it's one of those things I'm like, I, you just have to push, just push away from. Right. And you really just have to let God work in your own heart and your own mind on because he's seeing the full picture and we get a really, we, we spend a lot of time spinning our wheels in the what if game. And then he does something that we don't, that off the radar that we never end up having to actually worry about that thing. We spent so much time investing all that worry and all that anxiety into. And I, you know, it's just, and ninety percent of what we worry about never happens. Never happens, right? And you <laughs> right. can't. Right. It's like, we're spending all this time worrying about it and thinking about it. Or how am I going to respond to this? Oh they man, I mean, this, and then they never, yeah, say, they never it. say it. Even a pull yeah. out of fatherhood for just a moment's like, how many uh, products are marketed on a regular basis? How much news is marketed to us on a regular basis? To encourage us to play that what if game because if you if you can you know get somebody to think about all the areas that they might have a problem or an issue or you know might be caught you know um not being prepared well we can get a product out to that person and 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 so just so you're aware you know as dads like well we one we can know that we live in a society that is predicated upon playing off that very big fear and and the reality is it is a big fear um it's a fear that we have to overcome because what you're saying yes to you're saying no to something else right and so you can spend a lot of time worrying about something that may never occur you're still spending that time and that time that you're all the all the thoughts all the worry and and there is time being lost in that don't don't kid yourself like you're you're losing time to that thing and i'm i'm speaking from experience you're losing it to that thing that may never occur and so you know i think as dads to to do what we can to be real with one another because i and that's that is something that we are aiming at here is 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 one you do have to be in community i think and be around other fathers and 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 i mean generationally cross generationally to have people speak into you to sharpen you you know that iron iron sharpens iron i mean it's biblical and and it is so real and it's so easy and here's what i'm going to call out a bunch of dads like if you think you don't have time to be in a group with other dads and other men uh to let that process occur you are putting yourself in a place where you can fail and make more mistakes than you probably need to. And you're probably also not putting yourself in a position of success for those men to call out one, not only, not only the bad things, because it's not really about that either, but to give recognition and to call you out into those strengths that you have and help you bolster that confidence, not in a prideful way, in humility to call out all those good things in you because people also need to know that they're they have strengths too right because when you're sitting there you you know your weakness 
Absolutely. You know it. And you pound yes. yourself over and over and over yep. about where you're falling short. And when somebody else can come alongside you and say, but I've seen you do this well, mm-hmm. it just oh, builds absolutely. you up. Yeah. And it makes it you like, okay, well, yep. all right. And then it makes changes your focus yeah. on, onto that instead of the enemy. Just, I mean, we have an enemy that wants us to focus on what we don't do well. Absolutely. And I think, I think the other great lie too is that, um, that we don't have a place to speak into each other's lives. Like, mm. you know, you, you need, you need, need, need to be around other guys. You yeah. need to be around anybody. You need to be around other people. You need to be in community because those, those are the places where, where we get to, I think, grow in a way that allows us to move beyond where we are at. I think a lot of times, and I'm going to say it, I have a couple of brothers that I pray, 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 because I don't live around them. I'm, they're an hour and a half away, and I pray that there is a guy or a group of men in their area at a church that is that would be willing to sit down alongside them, call them out in a loving way in a challenging way and call out all the good in them and call out the person that God has created them to be because it's and and I and I say that because I I can't be there to do it and I and I and I've seen you know especially at this church when I was in college I had a group of guys come around me when I was going through difficulty uh, with relationships and and just learning how to navigate being a young adult. Um, Noah, you were part of the fold at the time, and 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 I just got to see. You know, I know you guys probably have grown. You've grown. All of us have grown. I mean, that's been almost a decade ago now. But like, to be around people that will tell you what's what, but not to tell you what's what, but to tell you in a way that's going to be um, motivating, in a way that is going to produce change for the good. And not continue to put you in the hole. Yeah. And it's also sometimes, like to your point with your brothers, like you're too close. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Like sometimes when we're we, we're still brothers in Christ, but like they know all your baggage. They know all your baggage, right? <laughs> I almost hit you in the face of the microphone. Sorry. <laughs> no, but they know all your baggage, right? So they're a lot more like, oh, okay, Brock. Right? Exactly. And sometimes yep. you need somebody that's yes. They can share their baggage on their timeline. Yeah. And but you and so you're you're building that relationship, but you're also hearing it right. from somebody else, and that's that's why we come together. Yeah, you know, because as brothers in Christ, because James calls us to call out or you know ask for forget like right. share our 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 struggles or share our sin with others, and confess them to other people. Like that's where when we say, hey, I'm I'm failing as a dad here. Mm-hmm. And those guys can come alongside of us. Yeah. Say, maybe you should try this. Or yeah. Maybe this will work. You know what? I don't know what to tell you, but here's what I'll do. I'll pray with you. Yeah. And maybe sometimes that's all it can be. Right. Earlier when I was talking about Ephesians 6 and how I, I what I pulled out of it was that purposeful time mm-hmm. is what we need with our kids. And, and what Brock was saying, that if you feel like you don't have enough time to set aside... And have um, and what we're talking, what what I think Brock's talking about, and 
and I'm sure Chad um, is probably thinking about it too. Um, for years here at BCC, I was a part of the men's um, Bible study in the morning on Tuesdays and Fridays. Yeah. And um, when I uh, stopped going is because I, I got a new job and I started work at seven, actually six in the morning. And I couldn't come anymore. But I grew the most as a husband and as a man during those times where I was with other guys sharing where they messed up and where they've succeeded, which then prompted me to feel more comfortable to then share where I have messed up and where I have succeeded. And um, to have that commonality and then to not only feel that you're not alone as a husband or a father, but that there are people who have made bigger or smaller mistakes, but we're all going to get through it by backing each other up through prayer, through right. scripture, through fellowship. Um, it is really important. I lost that. And then what's really great is, is Chad made the, the catalyst men's group. And, uh, I, I went in the beginning and then I stopped going and Chad was texting me to go back. And I said, don't, don't stop texting me. And he, he faithfully texted me for like half a year. And then <laughs> I think you finally were like, you know what? Give up. I give up. <laughs> but then out of the blue, like th what, four months ago, you yeah. shot me a text and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I definitely want to go back to that. And it's yeah. been, it's been really wonderful to have, um, more conversation with guys who are, I mean, we have guys in that group that have kids that are um, closer to my age, and we have guys in that group that have toddlers. Um, mm -hmm. We've got the whole gambit, and it is really mm -hmm. great to do that. Um, you were you were talking about when I asked you, you know, what's one, like, what's what do you bring to your fatherhood that you wanted to not do for you <laughs> that your dad brought, and it was like, oh well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cheat on my wife, and I'm not gonna you know disappear. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we doing good so far. Doing good so far. Um, I used to, I used to <laughs> lovingly, lovingly tongue in cheek. I used to joke with Ashley that she had, she gets 16 years. Cause that's what my dad gave my mom. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we're approaching it. We've, oh, no. we've actually, we've, we've blown past that. And like, we're, we're, we're way beyond that now. But, um, but yeah, back to what you had said through all that is that it is, it is really important to show that marriage to our kids and things like yeah. that. But when I think back to my dad and then kind of the baggage he gave me to go forward and be a dad on my own, um, I shared a little bit when, when I had the podcast with Ashley. Um, mm. but my dad was, I hate to use the word narcissist because there's a whole clinical list of things that have to qualify for that, but we'll just go with very self-centered. Um, yeah, the, the kind of guy who would ask you a question and then you give him an answer and he's like picking at his nails or like looking up at the stars. Like he's just not paying attention. Right. He's just waiting for the next moment that he could talk. Um, hmm. but he was, uh, a drummer in the Marine Corps band. Um, so we lived in the, the Arlington, Washington, DC area and, um, he gigged around and ended up meeting a woman while he gigged around with a jazz trio and, uh, he took off. So I learned infidelity from him. I learned a lack of commitment from him. Um, I also learned not to manage money. Uh, my grandfather on my dad's side was uh, a, a saver. Save, 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 save. And by the time he reached his later years in his 70s and 80s, in 1986, he had living willed money to my dad because he was not able to take care of himself anymore. And he had more than enough to take care of himself until he passed away in a full care nursing home. And, um, I just remember going to my dad's cause my, he lived, um, in, uh, in Chino and it was like a little ways away. And, and, you know, I saw him two times a month because we were still in the same state, same kind of neighboring cities. And all of a sudden my grandfather's there like in the house 
and he had like a nurse that would come and take care of him. And then eventually the nurse disappeared and it was just my, my new stepmom who was taking care of him. And like, I just noticed these things. And as I got older, I found out that my, uh, my grandfather had living willed my dad, uh, which is about the equivalent after inflation, about $1.3 million. Wow. And my dad went through it in nine months. Wow. Wow. Like went through it, bought like, uh, like thirty or forty thousand dollars in Lionel trains, bought like two Rolex watches, went on all these trips, um, and he ran out of money for the nursing home. So then Granddad had to move into the house. Then he lost money for the nurse. Uh, there was, uh, you know, about twenty thousand dollars put in uh, two accounts, so about forty thousand dollars total put into two locked accounts for my sister and I. And this was nineteen eighty six, back when you would still get a percentage on a savings account. Oh, um, so by the time we hit eighteen, it would have been more than enough to pay for college. We found out he drained those like. When we were like nine, he drained them. So like I learned no financial stewardship. I learned no loyalty. I learned all kinds of stuff. And as a result of that, I I feel like as a dad now, I'm just one thing that scared the crap out of me. My my family does this thing all the time where my mom did it growing up, and, and I think it was her way of trying to nudge or correct me and going the right way. She would call me the name of the person that I was looking like or acting like uh -huh. so like there was a really bad kid we knew his name was alan um and it was like okay alan every time i was like mouthing off and i was like oh man i must be really bad right now and um <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget i was like 12 or 13 and she goes okay don which is my dad's name and i was like oh okay all right i must be doing something wrong and that kind of terrified me to to mm -hmm. never be my dad in those senses like you know be be faithful to my commitments um, be a good steward with my everything I've been blessed with my home my car my yard um, my animals my family my finances just be as good a steward as I possibly can be um, just all this stuff drilled that I drilled into myself like I have to be better than he was and what I feel like the reason I'm bringing all this up is not to be like not one to be like oh what was Noah he had such a crap dad and not, oh, wow, Noah's awesome. He's so much better than his crap dad. It's more like, it's more yes, like I, I want to bring this up because I think that because of the, the, the example my dad gave me, and it goes on and on. He took off to California. He was in the Marine Corps band. He was two years away from a full military pension, got passed up for a promotion, and then walked instead of re-signing up. Like, he made so many bad decisions. Hmm. So I've got that whole example, but I could put all this pressure on myself to be the best I could be to surpass him in all these areas. But that's where my relationship with my Heavenly Father comes in. And I know I'm going to screw up. I know I'm not going to be the perfect dad. I know that... On paper, Ash and I are a wonderful couple. Anything can change through the course of time. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And I know that no matter what happens, even if I fall into one of the traps that I'm trying so desperately to avoid, if suddenly I'm, I, I lose my finances or I'm not a good steward anymore or I'm not the dad I thought I was or I'm not the husband I'm supposed to be and I'm falling into that, what I'll call the Don trap of being my dad, it doesn't, in a way... I have that redemption through Christ. I know I'm going to fail in those areas. I have, but I have his salvation that just, I, I, I just, I don't feel the pressure to not fall because I know I'm going to screw up. Right. I'm going to screw up in certain areas. And when you, when you try to focus so much on achieving the things that he didn't, it takes you away from who God wants you to be. <clears throat> right. Because it's taking your focus away from, you know what, he maybe, he doesn't want you to be all those things that were so much better than him. Mm hmm maybe this is so so when we get so focused and i think at my in my life i've been so focused on not being him 
that sometimes has taken me away from being who he's called me to be, mm. right? Yeah. Because I want to make sure the world knows that I'm not him, but yet I'm the, running to these things that look successful to the world and not worrying about just being the good godly husband and father that I'm called to be. I think yeah. that's where it comes in where Christ is enough. Yes. So you don't have to run around and do all those things to prove you're not your dad. You've already done it by Christ being right. enough, being enough for your redemption, mm -hmm. being enough for your salvation, being enough for all the things in your life that you need to trust for your next yeah. meal, to trust for all those things. You're already not your dad. Um, mm -hmm. My mom said something recently to me. Um, my mom, my whole extended family, um, where they're all uh, not believers. Um, I'm the only one in, on my side of the family that, that has an active relationship with Christ. And um, so she, she tends to focus more on what I was talking about, like, you know, my dad and things like that. And uh, Memorial Day weekend, we were just up and we were around the campfire and stuff. And she was getting late and we're, you know, winding down. And she was looking at me and she was, I used to look at you and I used to see a lot of your dad, like in your face. Because my dad and I, and my younger half brother, we all were like, just like a little, like if it was like a video game and you're making a character, it's like tweaking one slider away from being the pre, like we're all very similar. Um, <laughs> and she says, I used to look at you and see a lot of your dad. She goes, I don't see him in you at all anymore. And she wasn't talking about my physical appearance because yeah. I still look like you take pictures, you get pictures of my dad in his thirties and forties. I'm just missing the Tom Selleck mustache and the insane <laughs> 1980s. The sun doesn't give you cancer tan that he had. Um, that's all I'm missing. Yeah. Um, so I think she just meant like, there's something uniquely different about you. And I wish in that moment I had said, well, that's, that's not me, mom. That's, that's my relationship with Christ that you're seeing come through because I am not any better of a man than my dad was. <laughs> But Christ is better than, than he was, and he's better than me. Right. And, and you know, that's why there's a there's different, you know. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike, tell us about your dad. I kind of feel bad. The, the <laughs> no, no, no. The I want to hear about the postman. You know, it's the thing. It's like, you know, everybody comes from a different background. That's the whole point of having this, this show to talk about. Right. Because, yeah. you know, it's like, man, if, could you imagine if we all came from bad like backgrounds with you know dads that were absent i mean that's like man that would be tough yeah. it'd be a tough show it'd be a really sad episode yeah you're right boring this week on a very special between two beers <laughs> so but, um, you know, yeah, yeah go ahead so, tell us about dave williams. dave williams that's my dad so yes he was the mailman i was raised by a mailman um nice I I look like my parents, both my parents. Oh my uh, gosh, you could do that old joke. You look like the mail, like you look like the mailman. Yeah, I was gonna say too. I look oh, like I the mailman. So, <laughs> so so the joke that my mom actually had a better joke because my brothers who are younger than me are both blonde haired and blue eyed. So when they asked whose <laughs> whose sons they were, so she said the milkman. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh gosh. So um, huh. yeah. So I um, my dad was my dad was a really good dad. Um, I was a mama's boy. I'll just put that out there. But um, I did have a, and I still do have a, um, a very good relationship with my father. Mm -hmm. um, he, we, you know, imagine this. We, we lived in one salary. My mom did not work. Uh, she did eventually go to work once. My youngest brother um, went to, got into elementary school, but she was the Avon lady. So it, she worked from home and we helped her with, delivering of makeup and supplies and it was always a good time but 
my dad, um, so he had a very, um, it was a hard job. Like he worked, it was a, he, he's always walking. He's yeah. delivering the mail. The mail doesn't stop. Rain, sleet, or snow, right? And uh, so he, you know, he t- it's funny. He listened to you guys talk about what your dads did in your spare time, in his spare time. My dad in his spare time, he spent it with us. You know, if we were in the backyard, he was in the backyard. Um, whatever we were doing, he was doing. He wanted to be very active. He was our mm-hmm. coach. He coached us um, in soccer. He coached us in baseball all the way up until we got to high school. And, and you know, my dad was a wrestler, so he was – my younger two brothers wrestled. I, w- I tried to wrestle, but um, I, wrestling was not for me. I ended up playing basketball, and, and while he wasn't a fan of basketball, he didn't miss a basketball game. So – he was just that, that he was very active in our roles and 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 he was our youth leader he was the senior high youth leader at our church and he, before we even came along that was where both my parents were the senior high youth leaders and that's where they they served they served in that in the role for 16 years hmm. and so he was also a just a spiritual mentor um for me you know you talked about abby hitting you up with those science questions it's, I hit my father up with those science questions. We hijacked youth group because we were getting, you know, taught, you know, my senior year, I had anthropology and a couple of us were in this class where we're being taught, you know, we come from monkeys and all this stuff. And then we're going to youth group with all these questions. And my dad would just throw out the lesson plans and be like, okay, this is what we're doing this week. So and he was so, he was so knowledgeable of the Bible. Um, he had such a passion for the Bible. And I think that's, I have such a passion for the Bible, and it's probably where that came from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could not wait to get to Bible college because I just I wanted so much more. Like a Bible class was like I was jealous of the Christian school kids because they got a Bible class. I wanted that. You know, I got sun, church on Sunday and you know Wednesday night youth group, and I, I just wasn't enough for me. So I always had this passion. Now my dad and I are, are opposites in every way other, that you can possibly imagine. Okay, um, he's a perfectionist. I'm the furthest thing from a perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was raised by both my parents are perfectionists. My brother's a perfectionist, and then there's me. Um, I am the oddball. They're all introverts, and then there's me, the extrovert. You know, it was just like all these things. Now they're very sociable people, and they like people, but they were they're just the, the opposite of me in every way. Um, I still work with my dad. Um, I. Uh, I, I uh, work part time at the golf course at Three Ponds, and my my I got that job through nepotism. Um, <laughs> I, I I will probably admit it. I just wanted a job where I could just golf for free. So um, he's been working there since he retired, and he hooked me up. So I've been working there part time just so I can golf for free. And now that I'm married to somebody who likes to golf, it really saves that we can golf there for free. Um, so, and even when I came home uh, back in 2011 after my divorce, you know, I, I didn't have a job and I was looking for a job and my dad, um, he paints, he, you know, he was retired and he was painting for 10 bucks an hour at people's homes. So he, <laughs> he says, come on, boy. <laughs> so I learned a lot about painting and, um, which was great actually. And, you know, it's crazy because I didn't realize this then, um, it, it was later that I didn't know he was making only 10 bucks an hour. I thought he was making more because if we worked for five hours, he's getting, I didn't know he was getting paid $50. He was giving me the $50. So he started basically working for free to help me, his 30 year old son get back on his feet. Um, and that, that's how he was. He wasn't the, I, I, you know, he, I, he didn't need that recognition. 
he 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 was our dad and he loved us so he was going to support us whether we knew it or not that that didn't matter it was the fact that you're my son and i would love you i will take care of you mm -hmm. and he taught us all the biblical principles and and how to be a man and how to love you know how to love a woman and, and he was very affectionate with my mom and um, they were gross, but it was awesome because, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, the, my parents loved each other, and I knew that, you know, and, and there was some confidence about that, you know. So, um, yeah, so it was quite the opposite, and and I went through a lot of trials, and and, and my parents were there for me um, every step of the way. They never once wherever like you know oh man you're getting divorced you're shunned you know it was hey come home son we love you and you know so when i was 30 i was living in the bedroom that i grew up in i hadn't been in since i was 18 there was a i went through some very humbling experiences back then and my parents were there and my brothers too every step of the way you know my parents were very much of they wanted our family to be close and it was very important to both my parents that we were all very close you know it doesn't matter where you go to church after church it's our house on for dinner um we did the family vacation thing every summer you know we went to um up in the poconos and or we went down to williamsburg virginia virginia but that's what we did every summer we went away we, we had a week vacation um i like I said, my parents were very active in teaching, and so we had all that, you know. And I and it's I didn't know how lucky I was. I thought that was how everybody was raised, mm -hmm. honestly, you know, from a small town from Catawissa mm -hmm. in the eighties and the nineties, you know, where where divorce was happening, sure, but it was not like it is today. And then I went to college, and I went to a Bible college, but I was learning that there's a lot of more people that have come that come from a different backgrounds mm -hmm. and and that i was not the norm that i thought i was you know because mm -hmm. not only were my parents saved my dad's dad my grandfather he was he he was you know born again so all of my aunts and uncles were saved you know and my grandfather was the the preacher that preached his sermons from the barbershop because he was the barber in Elysburg. Why was he the barber in Elysburg? Because his dad was the barber in Catawissa. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, that's these these barbers were, were, were had God at the center of their lives and the center of their hearts. And it, it stemmed all the way back to my great-grandfather. And, and I knew my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather passed away when I was 16. Um, my great-grandmother passed away when I was 23 and already had my first daughter. So, the press enterprise came out and took a picture of the five generations of Williamses wow. that were still alive. Like that was such a, it was a very big deal. And, and, and I, I didn't realize what I, what I realized now of like, wow, how lucky I am to have this um, amazing uh, family. And, and now our family has gone through, we're, we're some of the, well, some of us are dying off and, and we're going through this now, and it's it's been you know my aunt just passed away, and just watching how our family just comes together, you know my mom passed away two years ago this past weekend actually, and and watching the family just come together through all this, and and yet God was celebrated, and at both those funerals, um, the the message of salvation was given very very boldly. 
and both those funerals between the two funerals was probably 500 people mm -hmm. and all those people heard it and i know not all of them were saved and it was just watching the legacy you, know, you talk about your legacies and just watching the legacies just going down the line and um in the williams family you know it, it's it's as we raise our kids and you know now i and my brothers um all have children and are all raising kids and are all trying to do our parents proud of keeping Christ as the center of our of our relationship with them. But that was that came from great grandpa to grandpa to dad to us. So it's kinda neat and it's kinda to to see, but that's 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 where I <laughs> that's where my roots are. That's like I said, it's all I know. And um I listen to your guys' stories and it's just like oh Man, that's... We should have led with you. You should have started. Yeah. No, no, no. You need a happy ending, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's where they knew what they were getting into when they turned yeah. this show on. <laughs> Between two beards. Yeah, that's the one where they take us one way and then they go the other. Right? <laughs> yeah, they were going to get through an episode without anybody crying, so that's good. Well, I... give it time. I'm not done. That's true. And we have chat with us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your resident crier. <laughs> Yeah, uh, to be honest, you know, thinking about this episode, and and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, like, and my dad was up this past weekend, and and by the way, he was really kind of upset that he couldn't be here to talk <laughs> on the podcast for this episode because he was kind of like, "You're doing one, can I be on it too?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, "Well, what are you doing Wednesday night at about like six o'clock or well?" Actually, we met earlier than that. But anyway, um, Mike's still trying to like get me on a schedule. Uh, He's trying his best to get everyone. <laughs> um, but I just, you know, thinking about my dad and, you know, we've, we've been through a lot as a family. Um, my parents' separation was very trying on uh, our family. And still, you know, has its moments where it's it makes things hard. You know, it's just if you're part of a blend, blended family, you know, you know the struggle. It's it's uh, it's not easy because you know you have when you have two parents, and that's you know we've we've talked about this a couple times already. It's just like that idea of the nuclear family. Like it's it's really hard on on kids to grow up um when you have to be separated between mom and dad mm -hmm. and certainly when you have to share that time between mom and dad and even now as as they're you know both grandparents and and uh, I have a stepmom now too and uh love her very much too um you know pappy and mamma on one side and grammy on the other and uh man it just uh it's been a long time and I and when I talk about redemption and I re talk about reconciliation you know I'm talking from a place of of experience you know it's it's it was really honestly it was really opening to me um walking out of um that experience with my parents being separated and and, and having blended families and to to really realize um how much my dad actually was at the center of a lot of the traditions and a lot of the play and a lot of the fun that actually was occurring in our family. Um, my dad is, um, 
I love my dad very much, and and uh, and honestly, I'm probably about a. I mean, this is gonna he's gonna laugh when he hears this, but I am at like a um, a pair of uh, tie dye Crocs away from looking just like my dad right now. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> um, you know, he, my dad is a character, and and you know, one of the things that you know, I'm really only realizing this now that I'm. Uh, by the time this episode drops, actually, it might drop nearly on my birthday or about my birthday. June 13th is my birthday. By Casually way, dropping so, his know. birthday out there. Yeah, how about this guy? Like, yeah. <laughs> Presents welcome. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you want to you know, take me to Red, Red Lobster, Lobster you, know, you know, whatever. Uh, Red Lobster. Friday's my birthday. You know, it took me, you know, kind of honestly 32 years to kind of figure out, you know, that my dad is is very comfortable in who who he is and i don't mean that like he's the dad from like the goldbergs that like drops his pants and walks around in his underwear when he gets home from work like no he's very comfortable in the fact that like like he he's okay to be you know um the guy who wears you know tie-dye crocs and maybe has another tie-dye shirt on but it's a different color but it's okay because he made it with his grandkids and that means more to him than what people think about him Hmm. and you know that's whether or not he you know is that confident personally but that's what i perceive him as being and and honestly that's what my kids perceive him as being is he wasn't he's not afraid to be the person that god has created them to be now of course, you know, there's like the song, like, well, um, I might be good for some, but I'm not for everyone. Well, that's just everybody. Everybody's really like that. And it took me a while, you know, I really struggled. I think through my adolescence and, and growing up to discover who I was, you know, I always, um, you know, um, I wanted to always blend in with whatever group, kind of like that chameleon kind of thing. Like I just, but it wasn't at first it wasn't intentional is because I just didn't know who I was. Hmm. And I just wanted, you know, whether it was a girl that I, that I liked, well, well, I was going to say, I liked that color too, or, you know, and eventually purple became my favorite color for a time. Um, and, and my dad, uh, I did, I actually only like, I don't even, I, I think I just, I just uh, only recently, um, unveiled this to him because he had gotten me this, uh, Fender Strat guitar to, to put together, uh, a guitar kit and we painted it purple on my, I think it was my uh, 12th birthday or t- he'll probably correct us later, you know. We'll have Jody like put it in Instagram. It was not on his eleventh birthday. It was, you know, but uh, we didn't get to finish it yet. It's been a while. Um, a lot has happened. <laughs> Only twenty years. Uh, yeah. So you know, eventually don't, don't it's gonna work. For not finishing. But that guitar is purple, <laughs> and I only only recently disclosed that you know that just because you know I really like this girl and her favorite color was purple. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I do really like purple, but not in the way I did when I was right. like you know into girls as right. a, as a preteen or, or tween or whatever you want to call that. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, it's one of the things and going back to it, like, you know, thinking about what my dad did, like traditions. And I, and I can remember some, you know, going back, like 
he wasn't afraid to get down and play. And one of the most fundamental memories to me was playing uh, Peter Pan and Captain Hook and having this like little screwdriver <laughs> and and I was I was Peter Pan and I'm fighting uh, uh, Captain Hook and we had had like barbecue chicken or something like that and we're playing in the kitchen and he like reaches up and dips his finger in the barbecue sauce to make it look like I'd actually stabbed Captain Hook and on a perfectly white t-shirt oh, man. now mind you this was so important to me because for a lot of my life I was really anxious about getting stuff on my clothes <laughs> I mean, we know that really that's gone. <laughs> and uh, now with Owen and Evelyn, that's just shattered completely. Um, <laughs> but it was so, you know, it just, to me, like I go back to that moment because he wasn't afraid to play. He certainly wasn't afraid to get messy. Um, and he, he, to this day, I absolutely believe he loves his children so, so much. And I know <gasps> going through that separation, man, that, that really, that really rocked him for a while. And it rocked us too, in a different way too, because, um, you know, he always, he, he never wanted to be apart from his kids and, um, you know, it, it took a while for me to rebuild that relationship with him because it was so, just such a messy time. Mm. And, uh, so, you know, I just, uh, I, you know, I, there are a lot of other attributes about my dad that I think, uh, we, we, we share a lot of. Um, you know, actually my, my dad was a worship leader back in the day. Um, used to go to rehearsals and go to practices and they were doing their nineties contemporary worship. Awesome. Um, God at a agape <laughs> fellowship. And, <laughs> uh, back in the day when they were still using transparencies, uh, to, to put the lyrics up and somebody's job, sometimes it was mine. I think eventually I tried to do that. I think they only let me do it like once because I must have done a good job. But, uh, you know, those were very fundamental things to me is just seeing him being willing to put himself out there. Um, I know a lot of times it probably wasn't easy. Um, but he always, he, he's always tried to be present. Hmm. And even, even, even if we, uh, at times didn't want him to be there. He always wanted to be present. And to this day, like he would have no problem getting on the phone with us and talking for several hours. Um, it's probably not going to be about the same thing. Cause we, we rabbit trail a lot with each other. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, so appreciative of, especially now being able to look back and just to see, um, how many ways my dad does or, or did and still does um, bring our family together and, and, and really has tried earnestly to create quality time. Hmm. Um, you know, we didn't always have a lot of money either. And, 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 but it wasn't about that. It was about trying to, I learned, I think I learned how to play from my dad very much. Um, and he, I think he's still something he still tries to teach us. And, and I'm still figuring it out is that play is just so important as a dad to be able to take time to play with your kids, even if it's not what you want to do, even if their interests are different from yours, even if it means slapping a, you know, a, a bit of barbecue sauce on a perfectly clean white t-shirt and ruining it for it's, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the rest of its life, you know, um, 
it's worth doing. You know, it's worth, it's worth taking time to get outside of yourself and to do the things that are uncomfortable and, and, and not care what other people think. I, I was going to that. What yeah. I wanted, I wanted to say that with the stuff you were sharing, I wrote down two notes. Sure. I wrote down time and who cares. Yeah. And not that I didn't care about what you're saying, but, no, no, but okay. Brock is taking a long time and who cares? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what was with my life? So, yeah. It's so important to have guys around you to tell yeah. you what's real. Right. <laughs> but thanks, yeah, man. I did, I did, I did. As you were talking about your dad, the two, cause like this whole forum, the whole reason why the four of us are here talking is really to, to kind of give a taste of what originally we had said, guys need to challenge themselves to come out and be a part of a fellowship community to, to share stories like this and talk about being a dad and things and uh, to grow as, as fathers and mm -hmm. husbands. But two of the things you said, one was the, the not caring. He's very comfortable in his skin. And, yeah. um, man, I'll tell you what, like from fifth grade to about ninth, eighth, ninth, I was mercilessly bullied, bullied into sure. being a quiet introverted wallflower bullied. And one of the things that I've tried to, instill in my daughter is like, who cares? Like, who cares what they think? Like, don't care. You're never going to see that person again. Yeah. Like as far as your outward appearance, but that's also not a wonderful thing to teach your kid, you know, yeah. who cares? So I've been trying to take a different route with it in, in context of who we're trying to teach her about who she is in God's eyes and in Christ mm -hmm. and that, okay, she's been made this way. Like Abigail gets told by so many people that she's quote unquote, all limbs. And sometimes I, I, cause she is, she's a very tall, lanky kid and, um, something no one's accused us of. <laughs> no, Mike, they have not. <laughs> we wish they would, <laughs> but sometimes I get worried that like, I mean, I'm going to put my, my wife out in the open here. Somebody, when she was in sixth grade, told her that she had a really long neck. And for like five years after that, she just, she thought she had a really mm. oddly shaped yeah. long neck. So like, these are the things that like when, when things come up, like if, if Abigail starts to take that, you're just a lanky twig stuff to heart, like how as dads, can we then turn around and, and, and say, well, look, it doesn't matter what they're saying, you know, be you who you are, be, yeah. you, be who God created you to be. Like you are, you are uniquely you. Yeah. Um, I know that, that we like, you've got, <laughs> your, your little kids are going to run the gambit of heights. I can tell now, like they're going to be all different heights. Um, your two youngest are catching up to your oldest, like crazy quickly, like crazy, but that's going to be a conversation. Like you are, you are wonderfully made exactly how you are. Yeah, um, right. and, and not to care so much about the outward and what people are thinking about you when what really matters is the inward and what you're projecting outwards. Right. Um, and how we can Absolutely. kind of foster that yeah. relationship. And we would do that through example and by talking right. to them and, but, and then time was the other thing is like spending time with your kids. And I think that's, that's why words really do matter. Yeah. You know, we say, who cares? Yeah. Like we, our kids talked a couple weeks, sticks and stones, whatever may break your bones. But like, that's the biggest lie ever. Oh yeah. It hurts. Mm. Right. And as, as dads, our words matter. Yeah. And they resonate long-term. I Absolutely. mean, there's things that have come up now that my son and daughter are 18 and 16 that I had said 10 years ago. Mm. And you're like, I said that. Like, you don't even remember saying it. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. But they matter because they remember it. And then I think of my own life and I think of things that were said to me mm. that I remember. And that person never remembers they said it. Yeah. And so as dads, man, it's so important that we remember our words matter and they resonate and they're long term. Oh, we can, we can undo years of work. Right. 
in one frustrated moment. Right. You know, blow up or whatever it may be. For sure. And so, yeah, it matters what we say. Yeah. But that harkens back to what Brock had said earlier when he was saying about, we also have, I think you, you mentioned that we can teach our kids to have grace. I think it was Brock. Um, somebody in this diagonal portion here um, <laughs> mentioned that that's where the kids are going to learn how to have grace and accept grace. Right. And that's where they're also going to um, see what it is to ask for forgiveness when you right. mess up. Correct. There have been times where I have flat out told my daughter, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. I was wrong for saying mm-hmm. that. Um, I shared a story here during community meditation about a door. I was putting a door uh, in the back of the house and I had just lightly shimmed it in place because it was there was... There was not a blade of grass moving that day. There was no wind. And I had just shimmed this door in and I walked away and it was like, you know, it's a three foot drop down and it's a glass insert metal door. And this freak 30 second wind blowing rain everywhere squall came through mm. and ripped the door right out and landed. And my daughter learned like seven words. New ones, yeah. Yeah. Seven it was, new ones, yes. Yeah. Seven there. What were they? Cat chicken. I haven't had to use the bleep button yet, but yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't want to have to do that in post-editing. And what I had said when I was sharing the community meditation is that all the hard work that I had done showing my daughter what a man does who knows um, Christ, what he does in those moments where things have gone so sideways that you don't think there's a way to fix it. And I just totally destroyed all of the groundwork that I'd laid in place. But there was new groundwork to be laid. And what we did after it, which I didn't share, was I sat down and I said, this happened. I was really frustrated. I should not have reacted that yeah. way. Like, look, I fixed it. Like, there's a dent on the outside and, you know, I'll have to paint it a little bit. But I should not have reacted that way. Sure. Like, it was just something that happened. It was material. It was replaceable. It was fixable. Like, but the way I acted would have been permanent in the way in which I could have totally destroyed the hard work that I had laid and just putting that biblical example of how to act. Um, and Abigail still brings that up. Now, she just remembers that it was, I think I think she thinks it was funny at this point because she's, she's looking back on it. It's just a, a funny, dumb dad story. Um, I remember that time. Dad. Yeah, I remember that time dad said this. Um, but it really wasn't an opportunity to show how to ask for forgiveness in a situation in which you completely messed up. Um, and, um, and Abigail has really, really, really blown us away in that what I've learned about my daughter is she is um, very much someone who needs time and space. Um, it took me a lot of years to realize that, that when there's a conflict or a problem, she needs time and space. You give her time and space, she will go back to whatever it is that she knows is right and whatever she's been taught. And nine times out of 10, that kid will come back and say, I'm really sorry, X is going on today, which caused me to do Y. I'm really sorry that this happened. Yeah. And it's been like, it's been amazing to see this, this like, barren garden that we've tilled and planted and watered mm-hmm. start to see these like sprouts of oh my goodness she's not only an individual right. but she's she's really a, an individual who's starting to take ownership and yeah she she's 11 and like there's sure. still days where it's yeah. like did that flower wilt where'd that go um but it's still remarkable to me just how how much it, it, those those dividends are paying off the dividends of of being humble in the moment where i freaked out and saying yeah well let me let me try to fix this by saying like i should not have done this please forgive me for doing this yeah. um I heard something, unfortunately it was way too late in life for me, but I heard something not too long ago where the woman, this woman was speaking, she's a counselor, and she was like, as your kids, when your kids are little, you need to talk a lot. Yeah. And as they get older, you need to listen more. So as that age gets older, the, the talking stops. I talked way too long into my, I would, I, I was a lecturer, right? And, mm-hmm. and it, it just was stone face, you know, and I learned, I, man, I talk way too much and I needed to let him speak more. I needed to let her speak more. And, uh, I think it was probably like three or four years ago where I was finally like, I gotta stop. Like, I need to own my like. I would blow. I'm. I'm. Ex- I could be explosive. 
that's my personality. It's sure. like I'm calm, calm, and then all of a sudden, what? Yeah, right, 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 right. Right? So that's how it would be. I, I, and I would have patience with everybody else, but not my kids, right? And because I wanted them to be so, I don't want to say perfect, but I wanted them to be such a good kids mm -hmm. that I was, I, I not smothered them with lectures. Yeah. Like, okay, you got to do this. Instead of just stopping and listening. And so one time I, like, lost my mind. And uh, I've realized, like, you can't, like, you can't do this. Like, it's not helpful. Um, cause he's strong willed, I'm strong willed and it's just never going to work. So one time I apologized, I went to him, I said, the way I behaved, I recognized, I was totally convicted. The Holy Spirit was like, you need to stop and just apologize. When mm -hmm. you screw up, you need to apologize. And I did. Um, and then I did it again and I just kept doing it whenever I would fall short. Um, I didn't know if that was working or not. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, he got a scholarship at the school. And the teacher wrote a letter uh, to him. This might be the crying part. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but the teacher wrote a letter to him, and she said, I learned something from you, Diego. I learned that when you don't, when you fall short or you don't do something right, that you have to own it, and you have to be taken You have to apologize. Yeah. And I know I need to do that, and I learned that from you. Wow. And it was like, wow. Just out of curiosity, was that Bates? That, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, I guess he is listening yeah right or my example has has because man i i can't step back i got to step back to to what you what we started with don't provoke your kids like that's what i did yep mm. i provoked i provoked i provoked instead of just shutting up and listening and uh yeah i've, I've man parenting's hard well like i said yeah it, it, i over explain yeah because i don't want her to think that i'm just saying because i said so like <laughs> i actually threw that out when i was when i was talking to her she was asking if if uh her cousin could come spend the night. It was just not a good night for it. We had things going on in the morning and things that were going on that night. It was late and there's all kinds of reasons. And I laid every single reason out like in meticulous detail. And she kind of said like, I don't like, I, I don't care what you're saying. And I said, well, fine, I'll just do what my friend's dad used to do. He would go, no. And then we say, why? And he goes, because I said so. And that was the end of it. And, like there was no more discussion <laughs> after that. And that used to frustrate me as a kid and I don't want to frustrate her. But I think you're, you're dead on. I think I've reached that point where, where she's at as a um as she keeps correcting me it's not tween it's tween ager she says but whatever as a tween ager um i think it's time where i i hit that switch where i talk less and i listen more and and her advice was so good because she said you have to as a parent you have to be okay with the uncomfortable silence at the dinner table sometimes oh, yeah because yep. that's when the best stuff's going to happen. I am bad at that. Right? Mm. If it's quiet, we want we feel like we need, as parents, need to fill some space. Yep. And sometimes when we're just quiet, out of nowhere, they'll talk. Mm -hmm. And what's been cool is now my kids are 18 and 16 to watch the conversations around our dinner table are so much fun. Mm. They're so much fun. It's like I look forward to having dinner. And that's one thing as a family that we've always tried to do. Like this Jen learned from her family was... If I have to work till seven to thirty, everyone will wait and we'll eat dinner together at seven thirty. Mm. Like, yeah. and so there's some awesome conversations, especially now that they're older and they can really have cool conversations about just different stuff. Yeah. Um, to be able to have that space, just to sit in the awkward silence sometimes, because teenagers don't like to talk. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, I'm sure. What's that like right now? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you've had the experience that, like, okay, you might be awful at the awkward silences. But in my experience, and it might be different with Jen, but um, Ashley is great because like it'll be it'll be a thing. Well, like there'll be an argument because that's what happens when parents and kids try to work things out. 
uh, sorry, discussion. Right. Not an argument. Yeah, yeah, it's a we discussion. have a discussion with our with kid passion. with passion. With passion. And and uh, <laughs> like I said, Abigail's a kid who needs time and space, and she'll go off that time and space. And the only thing that fills that time and space is silence. And whatever we're doing, whatever Ash and I are doing, because we're we're doing something together at that point. I'm like, I got I gotta go back and talk to her. I gotta go back and talk to her. And Ashley's just really good at nope. Just give her time. She'll come out. Yeah. It's like I, she is so good at that. And um just to take a, a complete derailment and, and go off here on the side to just talk about marriages quick. Um, I have a sister who uh, is divorced um, and she's a single mom in it. And um, she's got a daughter who is very similar to her. They're both very strong willed. And I, I just see my sister go through and not have that option of tagging in somebody mm -hmm. else and not having the person who's better at what you're failing at. So like there are a lot of areas where I just fall short, like with being handling that silence or, um, you know, not over explaining, like all these things where I'm short, Ashley excels. So like just to have that spouse that is is um, filling in the parts where you're not doing well, and then there I mean I can count so many times where I think that she's got it under control and she'll be like you gotta take over I'm like okay I'll take over and so many times where I'm like I can't you gotta tag in like because that's just the amazing thing about having the partnership so I'm sure that right. even these areas where you're saying that you struggled or you're looking back and saying I wish I would have listened more. Uh, maybe Jem was the listener, you know? So yeah. it's not like your kids didn't have the opportunity, you know? But. Yeah. And I think having that spouse that you can be honest with mm -hmm. when you see them doing something wrong, being able to say, not in the moment in front of them, not in front of your Yeah. Kids. We don't do that. Yeah. Pull yeah, them aside sure. afterwards and say, Hey, yeah. And then them being able to do the same. Oh, I've absolutely gotten those conversations. Yeah. I'm grateful for every one of them because it only yeah. makes me better. I mean, Brock brought it up earlier. Iron sharpens iron. That's right. why we got to get together as guys and talk. With your, if if you're in a position to have uh, a spouse with you as a as a co-parent, you got to call them out on when they're doing well and when they're not doing well, and have that relationship where you can have that honest discussion and say like, you know, sometimes you have to let them just have space. Sometimes you just need to listen. Um, or hey, yeah. the way that I love the way that you make dinner and make us sit down and have dinner at the table every evening. I love that you wait for me to come home. Yeah. Like all these things, you can build each other mm -hmm. up too. Um, and I will say probably particularly, it's probably better to spend more time calling out the good things because mm -hmm. you probably are already calling out all the bad things just by nature of who we are as human yep. beings. So, um, you know, I, I, I know that that's something I particularly have to continue to grow in. Like it's just calling out the good things in my gen. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and, and, and in our kids. Yeah. And Be in your kids, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because I had that experience. When we were talking about doing this, that was one of those hard moments in my life. Diego was probably about 12, and I had been on him and on him and on him, and I was like, oh. and I, he did something. And I said, hey, I want you to know I'm really proud of you. And he looked at me like I was sick. He's like, are you okay? <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. And yeah. it was like a dagger in the heart, right? Hmm. Yeah. Because I, I wanted him to be so good that I pointed out all the things that he needed to be better at, and I never pointed out what he was good at. Hmm. And it was a dagger to me, but it was one of those moments where I was like, it hurt, but... And he, he taught me something in that moment, you know, and, and so we have to really focus on what our kids are doing well and not, to your point, not what they're not doing well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's just, if you think about, you know, who do you want to have a relationship with? Do you want to have a relationship with somebody who's constantly correcting you or somebody that's going to allow you to make some mistakes and still be there, you know, to help you see it through? And, you know, frankly, like, I, I do feel very fortunate. You know, my dad was never, uh, was never, I mean, he, he knew how to discipline but he was never a harsh disciplinarian. He was never over the top. He never, I don't, I honestly, I can't think of a, 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 I don't have a memory of him telling me something that 
that has haunted me or, or has ever damaged me. And, and that's, that is such a blessing. And, and to, to your point, like I just, what we say matters. And, you know, I, and honestly, my mom, I, I can think of my mom too, but my mom has never said anything that I, I can think of that was ever, you know, remotely damaging. Have I had people said things to me that has been hurtful? Oh, yes. But I, I feel very grateful that my parents did not do that. And, and did we make mistakes? Could they have? Absolutely. Absolutely. They could have. Um, but you know, there's, there's no shortage of people in this world that can take that role. And you as a parent, man, you don't need to sit in that spot. I'm just right. going to say that you don't have to, there's going to be no shortage of other people that is to, to take that role. No shortage. Right. Um, so I, you know, I, 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 um, you know, I think, uh, this, my experience as a father um, has only has only been, made me a better man. It's only made me a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, have I looked not so good? Oh, absolutely. But but the reality is, if I do think, you know, just like um, just like marriage, marriage shapes us if we are willing to allow it to. Um, you know, and, and I will always say, I, you know, I agree. Uh, you know, Jordan Peterson. He, I was watching this thing on marriage. He said he liked the if you have a, a list of things you have a problem with your spouse, it might actually be you. Right. And you know, it's like, you know, are, are you the one who's quenching the, your relationship? Are you the one that's, um, you know, to take it back to fatherhood, are you, are you the one that's creating an atmosphere where your kids don't want to talk to you? Are you the one who's making the atmosphere where, um, they don't want to be around you? Are you the one doing that? That answer could be yes for somebody. I absolutely don't want that answer to be yes for me. Right. And as dads, I, I don't think we can afford, I don't think we can afford in a society such as ours and any really society to not want our kids to want to be around us. Especially if we are willing to humble ourselves and say, I serve God that's calling me to be better, you know, and, and rise to that challenge. Yeah. And in Ephesians five, when he talks about, when Paul talks about like being the head of our household, yeah, be like the same way Christ was the leader of the church. Yeah, like he died for the church. Mm-hmm. He put everything before himself. Absolutely. And as husbands and as dads, are we willing to put everyone else's needs above ours? And it doesn't feel good sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. But when we serve others, especially our family, we, we're we're winning. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how God, Christ came to serve everyone else. Right. And but the world's telling us that we should be selfish. I mean, mm-hmm. we're in their sin in the world, but. If that's how we're supposed to live as husbands and as fathers, then that should give us joy. Does it always? Is it enough? And I think that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Is serving our families and seeing them happy over us getting what we want, is that enough? And um, it's not always easy. Yeah. You know, and, and I think a lot of times, a lot of times the struggle is like comes down to submission, right? Mm-hmm. Even in our marriage, it's like, you know, you can take the verse out of context really uh-huh. easily. Wives submit to your husbands. Okay. A lot of guys are like, hey. Yeah, and that's where. How it's about not. that? Like the same way Christ submitted Himself to the church, to right, and exactly to, to correct or to God. Like Jesus is is God in in the Trinity. He's yep. he's Jesus. He's God, but like he still Husbands submitted love himself, your your wife. But he submitted Himself to someone church. else. He submitted Himself to the will of God. I mean, Absolutely. he went to the garden and prayed, "Lord, is there any other way?" Yeah. Sorry, there isn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So he submitted His will, even though he had the power. Yeah. And are we, so we have to do the same thing. Yeah. Are, we don't know, like that part. We exactly. like to stop where the men are, you know, we're in charge. And, and too many Christians have mm-hmm. taken that out of context to your point. Right. And I think and it's really easy. You know, we're, everybody loves a hero. 
you know, I, I don't think there's any any you know worthy man out there right. who wouldn't be willing to die for their family. Um, we weren't just called to just die for our, be willing to die for our family. We're also being called to die to ourselves, ourselves. for the sake Every of day. our family and for the sake of the cross, for the sake of our wives. And and talk about leaving a legacy, man. If we could capture that, oh, what kind of legacy would you would you leave behind right, for your kids it, to pick up on? Right, and doing it not so the world sees, oh, exactly. what an amazing human being. Right, doing it because right, it just is what we're supposed to do. And if no one ever notices, who cares? Yeah, yeah. The, the greatest reward is obviously when when we see our kids excel in the areas that we we've, we've tried to instill into them. So like, if they take that commitment to salvation, if you see them doing things that glorify God in whatever they do, mm. that's the if you want to put a word on the reward that we're looking for. I and mean, it's not really even a reward; it's just what we're called to do. It's like it's like. I don't know whether way another word to use apart from reward, but that that would be like what you're looking for when you're looking at that. Like you want to see that fruit come mm -hmm. out of what you've done. Um, so yeah. as we we went through like talking about the biblical example of fathers, we talked about um, you know what our dads, the baggage they left, or the wonderful presence that they <laughs> left, depending on said fathers, um, and how that affected how we parent. Um, and we talked about uh, you know what we do as parents. Um, real briefly before we wrap it up, um, we just wanted to talk about some of the hurdles that we're, we're uh, running into as dads in this new modern era um, of 24 uh, seven bullying, um, you know, uh, the, the prevalence of alternate um, viewpoints, um, you know, everyone seemingly trying to direct your kids away. And uh, it's not like we didn't have that in the, the eighties and nineties. And when we were all um, growing up, um, Chad, I think you were 78, were you born? Six. 76. Thanks, I appreciate we'll go with too. 78. We'll go with 78. <laughs> um, so you were growing up in the 80s and the 90s, <laughs> putting at Brock. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Brock was, uh, Brock is a, a 90s baby. No. Um, are you really? Yeah, yeah Chad, 90, I just you know. June 13, 1991, I was oh, born on my 91. mom's birthday. And on my grandmother's birthday. 1991. 1991, <laughs> man. I was in fourth grade. I was a sophomore in high sophomore school. Sophomore in high school. And um, I got married June 13th of 98. So there you go. <laughs> 98 wow. was my favorite year. I love 98. Anyway, but we're, we're talking about um, <laughs> the, some, of the, some of the hurdles and how we can kind of prepare our kids for some of the things. I don't think we can really briefly cover that subject. However, I do think that um, we could sum up how to be parents in this new modern time is that we just need to equip our kids with every tool that they could possibly yeah. need to hit this the way it is um, and stay vigilant as parents. Um, so as, as my daughter and I share a lot of common threads, um, we're both into, um, we follow a lot of YouTubers together. We play video games together. We like doing like outside stuff and like the creek and, and, and ponds. Like we have a lot of stuff in common, but it's like the alternate worldviews are dipping into all of these areas that we share together. And, um, through like commercials and advertising and, and everything else that happens in this world that was just kind of this fun, exclusive world for my daughter and I is now things are getting pervasive. And I think the only thing we can really do as dads in this era is um, train them up in what is truthful and what is scriptural. Um, be there when they inevitably ask questions about, okay, scripture is saying this, but I learned this in school or I saw a commercial for this or what's this whole month about? You know, like all these questions that are going to come forward and how to handle those in a way in which 
we're not saying things that would be interpreted as, um, I guess the worst word that anyone can throw at a, a believer is bigot. Mm. Um, mm. But just not bigoted, but staying true to scripture and, and explaining things and being open to questions. Um, one of the things I, I, I've really tried to instill in my daughter, and I think she takes it to heart, um, that she can always come to me and ask a question. Um, we've even put this blanket thing on it. Like if you've done something and you come to me and tell me about it, there is no punishment. We'll talk about it. We'll work through it. But if I find out about it, like before you come to me, that's when there's, there's punishment. Um, so just having an open door with them and, and knowing that inevitably these, these questions are going to come and be vigilant about, um, what's going on, what's coming into your household. Um, if you got kids with cell phones, um, most kids who have a cell phone have been exposed to, um, pornography within the first month of having the cell phone, whether it's something that's sent to them by a friend or it's something that they've accidentally clicked on or Googled. Um, it's just, just be vigilant. I think is really the, the, the only thing we can do as dads in this, in this time, um, and continue to do what Ephesians six says is, um, you know, uh, fathers, you know, provide nourish, bring up your kids, don't frustrate them and train yeah. them up in the way that they should go in God. And, and to add a little on that, I think the one thing that I know Jen's a public school teacher. So I think my kid, our kids need to see us interact with people who don't believe with, believe like us, mm-hmm. stand strong for who we are, but also still love. Yeah. And cause then they're, and they need to see us. I see too many times that we tried and, and I know in my own life, sometimes I'm like, Oh man, I just don't want to go there cause I don't want to deal with this today. Right. right. But we have to interject ourselves into the, into the world. We can't just stay with each other all the time. Yeah. And yeah, they absolutely. have to see us. They have to see our kids have to see us interact with people who don't believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't, they're not going to have any idea how to do it when they're yeah. older. Exactly. Hey, my family's got absolutely. that covered. So, so I'm but, but yeah, and I think, but still show them that how we love other people, how yeah. we stand for who we are. Yep. We're not judgmental. No. Right. Because you know what? I was that lost one guy, the guy yeah. one time yeah. who thought all kinds of crazy things were okay. Right. And you know, if you're if you're dealing with family members or people in the community or people that you're talking with that do not profess to be believers, they're not um, for for lack of a better word, they're not a Christian, meaning someone who's born again in Christ. What are you doing going after them for right. a sin that they don't fully understand yet? Why are we talking? Why are we expecting non-believers to act like believers? Right. Yeah. I think you're right. They do need to see us in those situations right. and interacting and and. Um, there are so that that kind of pushes those that maybe have a, a family that is generation after generation of believers and the circle they run with is believers and they only really do how are you going to break out of that and show your child the world because mm. inevitably the world is coming for your child at some point right. whether it's right. when they're when they're you know in elementary or middle or high school or when they go off on their own and you have to decide whether you're going to ease them into that by seeing your daily interactions with the world or letting it be like a freight train that hits them when they leave the house um, but inevitably they're going to be a part of this world and it's just, it's just how we've right. trained them you up know, to go. We could shield our children from everything. And then when they finally get into it and they, then they don't know what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not great. Right. Um, or we could go into the mess and show them what it's like to be in the middle of a mess. And frankly, everywhere is pretty much a mess. Right. If you really look at it. Yeah. Oh, gosh, even in the church, it's a mess sometimes. 
I mean, we need to be the eye of the hurricane, right? Right. It's completely calm there. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. To train your children to go into the middle of a battleground to be calm, but also to know what to do when they get there. You know, to be able to listen to someone who's hurting, to be able to stand their ground when someone comes at what they believe and be willing to take the, the, the checks when they need to. You know, it's, it's one of the things I think about so often we talk about, we've, you know, even from a, from a ministry perspective, from a theological perspective, we've been talking about this idea so often recently about what is truth. Not that we don't know a truth, but our society has absolutely sh took a shot many times. I think it's probably really with some buckshot at this point uh, at trying to blow apart what truth is. And I do think if we're going to leave our kids with, with anything, they absolutely need to know what is truth, who is the truth. Also, even outside of their faith, just to be able to tell the truth because Truth is paramount. It's so important. It's so important to be able to tell the truth. It's to, so important to be able to identify what's not true. And and to be able to be there and stand their ground when someone else is is telling them something that's not true. And and gosh, I hope I'm doing a good job of that. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. And frankly, it's hard. I know it's just hard for us to hard be in adults. that. It's yeah. hard for adults yeah. to be in that. And then, you know, we think about sending our kids to school and sending our kids. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if you don't think about it this way, your kids are going out into a battlefield every day. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're not doing what you can, and I'm telling you, you're never going to be able to do everything. You're just not going to be able to do everything. But you can try something, you know? Yeah. I was over the moon that day that she called me at work to ask about tectonic plates. I was like, this is, this is awesome. I've been like, ask your mom. <laughs> well, I didn't pay attention to that class. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I think the other thing, you know, the other perspective I really want them to, to be able to know is that they can only control themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. We can't control anybody else. You can't, con you, you can't control your spouse. Hmm. Obviously, we know we can't control our kids. <laughs> No. We can't control our brothers, our sisters, our friends, our parents, our grandparents. You can't control what anybody else does. You can only control what you do. And you can only be responsible for what you do. And it does come to that place of, you know, talking about bullying and talking about all the other things that, that become challenges in our in our lives and in our kids' lives is for them to know that no matter what happens, their actions matter. And they can only control what they do. They can only control what they say. Um, and that's okay. And, you know, I think about, I do think about those times, you know, growing up. I, I think about particularly the times when my parents separated because I, I for, a, for a while, I, I went and lived just with my mom. And I can absolutely pinpoint when I struggled the most in my life was when I didn't have my dad there. Right. Um. And that wasn't his fault. There were circumstances that he probably could have controlled. There were absolutely circumstances that I could have controlled. There were circumstances neither of us could have controlled. But when I think about that time, when did I struggle with people that were bullying me? It's when he wasn't there. I mean, when I wasn't there with him. Right. And, and when I struggled with what people bullied me about how I looked 
you know, in a, in a singlet when I wrestled or like, you know, like <laughs> there's pictures somewhere, it. you know, um, or, 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 or whatever somebody said, like I struggled most during those times and I can look back. When did I struggle? When was there tension within my relationship with my father? It was during that time. And, and honestly, the tension, it was so meaningless compared to all the other things that I came up against in the world. All the, all the, all the differences of opinion, all the other things that came with that when I was going through like high school and, and, and having those issues with, with other people, I know for a fact that my dad would have been, would have, would have, would have spoke so much more truth in my life than anybody else around me. And you need that. And I suppose I, sp I do especially think that from as a, as a man to a man, as a son to a father, that's, that is definitely important. Um, and, and I, I would be going, I'd be willing to, to, to brawl with anybody that would, would say otherwise, because I do think, and I will say this, I think fatherhood is one of the most important areas that you can give your time and, and to, to not have that or to not be a part of that. It really is a, you put yourself at a disadvantage and you certainly put your children at a disadvantage and your family ultimately. I, I really do think that. And, yeah. and especially as Christians, and I will say that to other Christians, man, you want to, you want to give a poor witness to, to the rest of the world, be a, call yourself a Christian and then be a bad father and a bad husband. Right. That's gonna, that's gonna really, uh, it's going to really make things hard for the rest of the world to, to see that there's truth and well, to see that there's love that. and there's grace and all these other things. You, how could you possibly show the world Jesus if you're going to do two of the most things that you could, that that God's entrusted to you Yeah, the poorly. two most important things after him. Exactly. And Jen sees it all the time. Yeah. Like, all the time at school. She knows she can tell me. I know that I don't even have to look at the roster. I can tell you if those parents are together or not. Yeah. yeah. She sees it all the time. Kids that are acting out, not unsure, unsure what's going on. Next thing you know, she finds out dad left or moved out or mom and dad are divorced or dad moved away or, yeah. And it happens. Don't get me wrong. It happens. Yeah, it's, right. And sometimes it's circumstances we can't help. Absolutely. But there's things that we can yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we have to do the best that we can based on the situation we're in. Yeah. And but it's 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 a rampant problem and men have to be better and we have to be better. Absolutely. So as we, as a there's a there's a red light flashing that says that we've <laughs> We've we've passed our time. That might be I'm my the red light. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we've managed to double the red light has a name, <laughs> and it's me. <laughs> the red light is my notification on the phone, and the operator is Mike. Yeah, because um, Brock won't look at his. But uh, oh. the if we could if we Pat could thing? just wrap this up, I have I'm gonna I'm gonna read off all of my notes that I've jotted down as we went off. So as men, we are selfish failures who talk too much, don't listen enough. Who cares? And I wrote the who cares part because we are broken individuals, sinners, mm -hmm. but Christ has redeemed us. Yep. And that's what we need to teach to our kids that right. there is a redeemer. Yep. There is truth. And 
that's it. Really, that's the whole goal of being a father is, is showing right. them the truth of the word. Because the truth of the word is going to be in your marriage, in your relationships with the world, in your job, in how you handle the chores around the house. It's going to be in everything. Yeah. So that's that's really it. Yeah, it really is. It's it's uh, man, man. If you want to challenge, if you're a man out there and you're a father and you want to challenge on Father's Day, I hope we brought it to you a little bit because you know there's nothing there's nothing more more important that you can do than to just take the time. Um, one to get yourself, uh, yourself healthy, whether that's especially spiritually, um, mentally, physically, so that you can be there for your kids and be there for them in a, in a way that is going to continue to help them on a trajectory of success, whether that's just in their relationships with you and other people. Um, remember that, that Greek word, ektrafo. I hope I'm saying that right. My my Greek is awful. <laughs> Nobody here knows. Yeah, it's not a Greek to me. It's a ectrepo, which which means to nourish. It, it it means to nourish to maturity. Yeah, you know that it's used in Ephesians six when it it directly talks right. to fathers. And, nourish your kids to maturity, and that yeah. means physically, emotionally, spiritually. And, it means and, all of it. And I will say that process, it's honestly, it's never completed. Nope. it's not. You know, we to live in that that space that we are in is. None of us have arrived. And if you're out there and you're listening to this and, and you're falling short, you're not doing it right. Yeah. Tomorrow, do the first right thing. That's right. And just start there. Yeah. And that's yeah. all you can do. Um, yeah. Every one of us is a broken, fallen man. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I make mistakes every day, but we just have to try to do the next right thing. And right. if you need help with it, we're all willing to talk to anybody. Absolutely. In yeah. this church and whoever's listening, because uh, we're all been there and we're all there. And uh, you're not alone. Don't let the enemy think you're alone. Not at all. And there's always, time is one of the things we talked about. And yeah. if this were Mother's Day, I would have talked about my mom. And there were times where I have three years of my life where I was completely separated from my mother and my stepfather. Now we are thick as thieves. You know, there's always redemption out there. 100%. Absolutely. Well, and this just the way we should. With Mike glaring at you? <laughs> <laughs> now with a one, two, and three. Beards, Beards out. out.